Hello there, Mr. Uh, Arlo Aegon. Uh, I was told to come to Humanoid Resources? That would be me, your official Humanoid Resources Incorporated representative. Please have a seat. I am surprised and not at the same time, so let's, let's just... Just roll on through. All right. There we go. Is something bothering you? Mm, nope. Nope, nothing at all. Hmm. You are familiar with our outsourced organization that oversees all interspecies relationships amongst the most officially recognized and corporate entities. Yes? Um, I gotta be real with you there, bud. Uh, until about, uh, probably a couple hours ago, I was pretty sure we didn't have access to human resources, just, uh, Given the humanoid resources, oh yeah, humanoid resources. My bad, but uh, I didn't think we had a HR department. Oh, as I said, we are not officially with your organization. Humanoid Resources Incorporated operates in the heart of Nightwatch, in which we send out the representatives in order to speak with each individual organization on an individual level. I am, of course, your representative, Ted. Ted? 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 Alright, Ted. Just one Ted. Just one Ted. So your name is a singular Ted. Yeah. Not like Ted something else, like, you know, no last name, just Ted. Just Ted. Not short for that anything, not an acronym. It's Ted. It is, it is short for something. However, my full deep speech name is more than most of your kind can handle. It is something difficult for anyone outside of the Mind Flare species to comprehend. But enough about me. We are here to speak about you. So how long have you been with the organization? Well, um, I'm not really one to keep track of those sort of things, but... If I had to guess, I'd say it'd probably be coming up on around 90 days. Precisely. The Elder Brain will be pleased to know you are diligent with your timekeeping, even if only unintentional. Getting back to the matter at hand, why don't we start with day one, when you were first introduced to your... New allies. What, what did you say about an elder brain, though? Hi, I'm safe. I promise not to kill you right away. I can't wait to get to know you. Ah, I feel the same. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was not expecting that as a, a first introduction, but uh, I am Arlo. I do hope we are heading to the same place for the same reasons and that you don't try to kill me? Right away! Super uncomfortable about that. As you guys are having the most uncomfortable first introduction ever, you see the older Minotaur comes out and he says, Name's Yarvum, by the way, before we get too far into, uh, whatever this is. And soon... The ocean in front of you seems to explode as a giant beast emerges from the water in front of your ship. This is a fucking dragon turtle that has come upon you guys. Why is that what it is? Where are you going? Tell me when you travel through my domain. I think the best in this case might be honesty. 
Um, well, I suppose it's no trouble in saying that we are technically heading to the headquarters of, um, Damned. It gets somehow closer? Like it's trying to whisper in your ear, and it says, As I always say, honesty is the best policy. I don't like this boat anymore. Well, good news. This is your stuff. So you guys make your way onto the dragon turtle. The gem begins to glow, and you guys instantly find yourselves engulfed in this bright red light. And when you open your eyes again, you find yourselves inside what looks like the void of space. If space was red. And the most, and only, notable thing is the castle that stands before you floating in the middle of this space. The doors open wide, and a small boy appears to be standing there. As you guys follow this boy, uh, first of all, he's not walking. He's just floating. So that's a thing. Well, Boss Lee is in there. Good luck, you guys. Hopefully he's just as scared of shit out of you like everybody else. Name's Odar, by the way. And he teleports away. You guys find yourselves in front of these large, imposing double doors. You do a good little knock, and from inside you hear... Come in. I am Ryan Delmarev. I'm going to be your new boss. No need to introduce yourselves. I already know who you are. Safe. Winterra. And then, of course, there's Dr. Arlo Aegon. So you guys make your way down to the blacksmith. There are three figures of note, as previously mentioned. Ah, hello there, Ayla Baravan. By this point, the other two have noticed all this tomfoolery and fuckery, and the gnome walks over and is like, The name's Nisa, Nisa Silveraxe. My husband over there is the one on the forge. You guys head off from there. I'm guessing you go to the general store now. As you walk in, you see a human wearing... An elaborate yellow suit with red stripes. Why, hello there! I'm Rick Slavenly. Welcome to Rick Slavenly's Corporeal Oozes! And then from behind the counter pops out this little, also humanoid looking thing, but this one looks more like a raven without wings and then has arms and legs. Also in the same kind of suit, cut for itself, and says, And I'm a little Rick! So that leaves you guys with the archives, and as you guys kind of wander around a little bit, you do find this main desk area where there are two prominent figures. One is, Winterra, you'd probably be the one to recognize this creature better. It's a forest-dwelling creature known as a Fearball. And she's speaking with a Goliath that appears to have an apron on around it. We were looking for someone named Bookworm. We were told that she might be down here. As you say that, you notice the Fearbulg's ears perk up, and she actually looks over at you and then points to herself. Oh, you're Bookworm. Oh, I'm sorry, you'll have to forgive her. Bookworm is actually a mute, so if any of you are capable of speaking sign language, then you might be able to pick up a few of her words. You can find me in the meat hall. I happen to be the chef. The name is Orlo. It seems as though you have had a rather interesting time acclimating from your original, isolated lifestyle. Isn't that right, Safe? Uh, yes, sir. I would say that's correct. Hmm. Ah, I apologize. I have looked at my notes. Would you prefer the title of Miss Everjoy? Oh, no. Nobody really calls me that. Um, I'm just fine with safe. Thank you. Duly noted. So, after that, from my understanding, you were rather briskly moved into your first real assignment with the organization. Rather unorthodox for how things are usually run. 
uh, I would believe that they were quite understaffed at the time of our hiring. That is what your leader, Miss Delmarev, said to us, and while we understood her words, her intentions went against several protocols and regulations that we tend to follow within the new mandates of society. But that is neither here nor there. Why don't we talk more about your first adventure? I understand it was quite a different experience for you. Yes, sir. I was uh, more used to uh, mercenary and bounty hunting work before this. And solo jobs, from my understanding... It was very rare that I did have a team working around me. Yes, sir. Then I think it best to start from the moment of your arrival in the city of Neverwinter. Are you still not allowed there, by the way? Ha <laughs> ha Yeah, that's, uh, that's a thing. Interesting. I will just write that down while you proceed to tell me how your first mission proceeded. Our heroes find themselves on a teleportation circle as they had mere moments ago before they were enveloped in light. And you see an armored guard come up to you all and say, The name's Barden. I'm actually the captain of the Neverwinter Guard. So, what brings Dan to Neverwinter? Is something going to happen? We've been instructed to follow up with Milo. As it appears, they have actually been hoarding. No, no, that, that can't be. We do have to make sure that we are checking up on our friend here. And making sure that things have been getting done the regulation way. Our job is to prevent the bad before it happens. Now please, take us to Milo before the bad happens to you. When Tara raises an eyebrow at what Seth just said, I think what my friend meant to say is, um, we would like to make sure that we get there in a timely fashion, please, if you could help us figure out where we need to go. No, no. I fully understand. And I need to make sure you understand something. You're not above the law. And around here... My job is to enforce the law. So next time you decide to get a smart mouth with me, I suggest you think twice. And he kind of angrily starts walking off and you guys assume towards the Thieves Guild. You eventually come across a series of buildings that each have banners hanging down over the doorways. And eventually you come across one that says Thieves. And so Barton takes you inside, and there is a halfling. Eh, uh, can I help you guys? Uh, uh, we're here as emissaries of the organization known as Damned. We're just here to make sure that, uh, you know, you're following proper protoc um, protocols with wealth redistribution. Uh, we have some reports that, uh, well, uh, not to sugarcoat things, that has not been happening as it should. What are you talking about? I've got my second in command taking care of that stuff, and I trust her with my life. If you guys don't believe me, I can show you. So Milo leads you up the stairs to the second level of the Thieves' Guild. He does manage to find the key, and he unlocks it, and as the door opens, that room is packed. Milo then quickly runs over to the railing and calls out, Where is Elama? A figure kind of, like, show up from, almost like from the shadows, just out of nowhere. And she says, What? Elema, what is going- Why is all the money in here? You were supposed to be getting ready for it to ship out. <laughs> Whatever. As you guys are looking around for an inn, or anything like that, you happen to see a hooded figure dip into a nearby alleyway across the street. 
and you recognize Elema dipping into the alleyway. You guys follow her into this alleyway. And there, you see Elema talking with another person. This person is wearing blackened armor. They are rather pale-skinned with very long, almost ashy blonde hair that goes down to about their mid-back. What do you mean the shipment is going out? I thought we had an understanding. I... I'm sorry. I, I... I ran into some complications. I don't really care. And he stops mid-sentence, and sniffs the air. (laughs) Oh, I see what you mean. You might as well come out. I know you're there. All three of you. And the first thing he actually does is he sort of waves off Elema, and she runs to the opposite wall and starts climbing up. Arlo steps out from behind the wall and he's kind of like doing like a sort of uh, hands raised, not quite a threatening stance, but a ready stance. Well, hold on there, everybody. Stay right where they are. The man in front of you, he does a quick snap of his fingers. And behind him, a giant wall of fire engulfs that entire space. I don't like being ignored. If you guys want to get in my way, then you're going to get in my way. He extends his hand out towards you, and a black flame appears in the palm of his hand and then stretches out in either direction, forming into a glaive. And he charges at you, Arlo. Uh, 22 slashing damage. Cool, I'm at half health. And now the thing you don't want to hear me say the most... He has a second attack. Arlo, you are brought down by 18. Um, bye. Like, Arlo is already gone. Full dash action away. Take a disengage action. I would like to use my shape-shifting into a riding horse, and I'd like to do my thing and have Saith jump on, and then with Saith's tail assistance, grab Arlo, also have him get on my back, and then continue booking it. As you ride off, you see the man peek out of the alleyway again. And it's faint, since he's in the distance. But you can see the slightest smile as he dips back into the alleyway. At this point, you guys have managed to make it back to the Thieves' Guild. I assume you just make your way on in and over towards the back room, where you find Milo, as he promised, diligently working on getting everything that he needs set up. He looks up at you guys and says, Oh, uh, hey guys. Wasn't expecting to see you until tomorrow. Uh, so, bad news. I haven't been able to find Elema. I don't know where she's at. Yeah, we found her for you. We found her in an alleyway with some blonde-haired ashy guy, and they're planning on trying to keep the Horde here to attract a dragon to destroy Neverwinter. Words from the guy's mouth himself. You're, you're telling me that Elema's betrayed me? Look... We don't know why she's working with him, whether it's at the threat of her own life or some other reason. So, I understand that, you know, this must be very hard for you, but there's a bigger thing at stake right now. Yeah, yeah. You're right. We, we still got a ways to go, but if you guys are willing to help out, we can probably get this done within the next couple hours. You arrive at Thornhold Fortress, and Milo comes up to you guys as, a little worried that we haven't seen Elema throughout all this. If what you guys said is true, there's a chance she would have figured out where we're going. Let's get this done. And he walks over to the main entrance, and then a rune appears from underneath his foot. And a large, fiery explosion goes off underneath. Barton is the first one to react to this almost instantly as Milo hits the ground, just running towards him and falling to his knees at his side. Dude, Milo, no! Uh, Arlo, like fugue state, runs in and snaps into almost EMT action where he's like, uh, I'm going to get him healed up and he's going to be fine, all right? He's going to be fine. As you do that, a green aura of healing emits from your hand and envelops him. And as it does, you see some of the burn marks that had taken over start to heal away. With your general medical knowledge that you know he's not, like, in danger, he's just passed out. 
and the rest of you sleep however you are most comfortable and just try and wait it out until Milo wakes up. Everyone sort of reconvenes over towards Milo in order to see how he's doing. I unfortunately got some bad news, guys. I actually have a favor I need to ask you guys. If you do, run into Elmo down there. Spare her. So as you head on over to the treasure room, you come across another sort of intersection. You know that to the left is the treasure room, however, there is a large stone door. You guys make your way over to the doorway. As you make your way down, you find yourselves in not a full treasure room, but it's modestly full. Leaning against one of the statues across from you guys is in fact Elema. And she shifts her foot and steps on a switch. And immediately, the stone door leading in closes, and a metal grate in front of it shuts down, effectively trapping all four of you in there. Alright. If this is really the way you guys want to do this, then here's how this is going to work. Unfortunately, given the way my circumstance is, the only way I can tell you all anything is if one of us doesn't leave here alive. But what I can at least give you is a name. He goes by Ash. I'm sorry. And she steps on another switch, and black smoke fills the room. Alright, I'm gonna cast Hold Person. Do you have to have line of sight for that? Oh, yeah, I do need to be able to see her. Never mind. Guiding Bolt does not specify. This goes straight through the pile of gold and just knocks her into the nearby wall. She's gonna turn her around to look at her. If there's anybody in this room that understands the pain of going through the inevitability of, of being unable to stop their attacker, it's me. You don't deserve to put on a smile and pretend like everything's okay. You don't deserve to be me. You guys really are good people. Don't insult me. Here, Milo. She shuffles her foot and steps down on a switch. And a poison dart comes out of the wall and shoots her right in the back of the neck. As you guys resurface... Having officially secured the route, Elema's body in tow. Barden is actually the first one to spot you guys, and he walks over and says, Head back to town. Take the teleporter. Go back to your base. Let me handle things with Milo. And it's probably best for everyone if you three in particular don't back here for a while. Banished from a town after preventing calamity is certainly an unexpected outcome. I am curious what one that holds such close family ties and lives outside of what most humanoid species would consider to be a standard society felt about such an experience. This winter dark night. Hmm. I suppose... It's no different than not being allowed in certain parts of the forest when there's danger or groups of people that you have angered. Is this a common occurrence amongst forest dwellers? Mm, I suppose there's territories that everyone sort of has. Some territories overlap, but others don't, so there are certain areas we aren't allowed in. Interesting. While I take extensive documentation on these new found revelations, why don't you tell me what it was like for you as someone who had existed outside of such a 
traditional society to transition into team-based activities in modern-day civilization. Well, I mean, my brother and my family and I have always worked together as a team, so teamwork isn't anything different for me. Uh, the people not being family is definitely a change, um, and uh, it's a little bit, hmm, it's different. You seem to speak quite often about your family. Has it been difficult for you to be away from them for such a prolonged period of time? What? Oh, uh, yeah, actually, I suppose so. I've never been away from them this long. I suppose that made it most fortuitous that your next assignment then saw you heading home for a brief refuge. Yeah, it was actually really nice to see them and get a little bit of a, a check-in, I suppose. But yeah, it was nice. How familiar are you with the typical political proceedings of modern society? Mm, not at all. N no, we usually kind of stay out of the town's business um, as long as they don't come into the forest. That's kind of the big thing, is them keeping the peace there. Curious, then, that you and your compatriots were chosen for this particular assignment, given the inherently political nature of the request. Please, tell me exactly what happened from the moment you arrived in the town of Silvery Moon. When you arrive there, you see that the town is fairly forested. It's not like a lot of... It's definitely not like Neverwinter. It's maybe about as far removed from Neverwinter as you can get. One other thing that you guys notice upon landing immediately that strikes you as odd... There seems to be a sizable population of Yuan-Ti in the area. I say it might be best for us to gather information independently. Arlo and Raylan were to speak with Neavara Yaldrin. Wintera and Forngal were to speak with Sibo Leafry. And Saith and Seven were to speak with Granifor himself. Hello there, friend. Name's uh, Ar uh, Arlo. Dr. Arlo Aegon. Ah, a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. And my name is Raylan. She leads you to the back of the archives and into a private office. If you wanted to know something strange, then yes, there's definitely been something strange. There's a beholder trying to become the mayor, and he came with a horde of Yuan-Ti. That's extremely bizarre. Now we cut over to Wintera and uh, Forngal. Hello? We notice that there is some interesting things going on, and we just want to ask, because we know that you're running in this election, what, like, your thoughts on everything are. Uh, oh, what's Granifor? his name? Yes, that one. Seems fine. Oh. People seem to like him. I have no issues with him. He has a good platform. We will now cut over to Saith and Seven. Just out of the corner of your eye, you see what looks like a giant floating ball of meat with a snake person next to it. Oh god, I'm terribly sorry about that. Allergies. Hi, how can I help you? I know so far how passionate you are about species that aren't exactly approved in normal society. 
Oh, yes, of course. Well, how could I not be? If it wasn't for my friend Sasava over here, I would be a dead man. <laughs> After wandering for a bit, I found the Yuan-Ti village, and they took care of me, healed me back to full health, and I decided, since they were also outcasts, <laughs> that it would be beneficial to... See if we could integrate ourselves into a normal society where we are accepted, as opposed to being treated as outcast. <laughs> the following day, Second Chance went to speak with Granifore and Sasava to gather more information, while the agents went to the Midnight Woods to speak with Winterra's parents. Arlo and Saith, you guys just see this large bear-like creature... My daughter, it's been so long since I've seen you. His name is Ulrich. You see a bush rustle just out of the corner of your eye. And as you turn towards it, you see a very familiar, large, bear-like creature barreling at you as your brother tackles you. Holly looks very similar to how Winterra does but with a smaller, less muscular frame, and also much more aged, but not in like a, she looks older, but she looks wizened type of way. We're um, actually in the town nearby on business. So what have you heard so far about any, you know, new faces in town relating to this election that's going on? You mean besides Granifor? Granifor is kind of an odd... Case in this one. You see, he showed up with the Yuan Ti about a month ago or so, and at first everyone was understandably concerned about it. After about a week, literally after a week, everyone seemed okay with them. Like, almost overnight. Winterra and Safe, you guys, as you're having this conversation, sort of come to a weird epiphany. Not only is it the people who have who've been there for a while, but there's also one other notable exception to people who seem to not be falling in line with this. And that is the other candidates. Hold on. No, the Niavra. the girl candidate. As you head over to um try and find second chance you pass by the town square where there's a bunch of shops and stuff and just kind of loitering around you actually do see second chance speaking to a albino yuan tea that's just sitting at a stand i don't suppose you'd be interested in getting a tattoo would you you uh you got yourself a business card oh yes of course uh and he hands you a piece of paper that just says melg so yeah, you and uh, Second Chance reconvene back over with everyone else. Seven speaks up and says, It turns out that Sasaba is going off to the Yuan-Ti Temple about an hour from here in the in between the mountains to the east of the town. So what it seems like is the key to us figuring out exactly what's going on and how to get to the, the very core of it is going to be that, uh, that Sasaba feller. Our best bet may actually be to follow up on Seven's lead and try and see if we can't tail him to this meeting or just ambush him while he's doing that. It takes about an hour before you guys manage to get to the Yuan-Ti Temple. You can see that there are three hooded figures in there. Two of them sound eerily like Sasava. The third one sounds like some greasy, blonde-haired motherfucker. Are you sure you're going to be able to get this done before the election is over? Of course we will. Granivore is none the wiser as to our intentions, nor of our manipulation of the townsfolk. Well, for your sake, I certainly hope so. That being said, I still think it might be easier if you were to employ my help a little more... liberally. And he pulls out a small gem... It's like this weird black crystal sort of thing. It's spiky and jagged from all angles. Similar to last time you listened in on him, you see Ash sniff the air. 
I thought you said there were only the three of us in here. He sees all of you, and you all see something from Ash that you have not yet seen before. An unbridled fury, the likes of which you have only seen in your worst of nightmares. You all hear an audible pulse. And Ash is enveloped in a dark cloud of energy. As he begins to grow. And grow. And soon his size eclipses all of you. His teeth grow to fangs. His fingernails grow sharp like daggers into claws. His skin turns a blackish gray as scales grow over. The side of the temple erupts as Ash bursts forth through it. And as he readies another attack, the sun begins to rise. And as the sun rays hit Ash... He suddenly rears back and howls in pain. And he immediately takes to the sky and flies off in a frenzied panic. Say, with that earlier perception check, you notice something a little bit strange about Seven. You notice that... His eyes are looking unusually bloodshot. As soon as you reach for him, he immediately reaches his hands up to his hood and just gives you this venomous glare. Something's wrong. He's not himself. I said I'm fine! At this point, you guys see Raylan and Thorngle are both shocked to see this. Seven? Something's definitely wrong with you. You don't yell. Ever. He pulls out a knife. Forngol plucks a mushroom out of his mane, and as Seven opens his mouth to yell again, he just pops that bitch right in there, and he immediately falls unconscious. As you pull the hood back, you're actually now able to see something that you couldn't see before. On the back of his neck, you see four small holes. Like bite marks? Like bite marks. There's only one person who'd have knowledge on the Sneeple that we can trust. We gotta talk to Nailk. So you guys managed to make your way over to the marketplace where you find the ever-popular establishment Nelg. Run by Nelg. So you guys make your way over to him and he listens to Ah, I see you've uh, decided to take me up on my offer for, uh... And then he looks at him like, what happened to him? And then he turns him over, sees his face like, oh! Oh, that's bad. So, some tribes of Yuan-Ti will create artificial serpents and give them a specially formulated venom. And it looks like this particular one has infected your friend here with something called brood poisoning. Is there any way we can stop it? There is a rumor that I heard while traveling that supposedly there are people who have contracted brood poisoning before and then somehow wound up in the Feywild and came back fine. You all go off to reconvene with Wintera's parents. Hi, Mom. Hi, sweetie. Everything okay? I heard that we guard a entrance to the Feywild. We need to go there. One of our friends apparently has brood poisoning, and we've heard there's a cure in the Feywild. Oh, um, yeah, come with me. She guides you deep into the woods, and you eventually come across this small pond that has a waterfall flowing into it from uh, some rocks up above. She actually casts Moonbeam at a very high level down onto the lake bed, and it begins to glow with this radiant light, the likes of which you've never seen before. It almost looks like the moon itself is in this pond. If you want to find this cure, you're going to specifically need to speak with the heads of one of the Fey Court. That's either going to be Lady Titania 
from the Summer Court. Maybe uh, Lord Hersum from the Fall Court. It really depends on where you land, just being able to get there and speaking with them. You all jump in and you guys find yourselves in a forested path filled with lush green leaves in front of a large elven city. And as you guys make your way in, you see a woman in robes. She's covering her head, but you can kind of tell just from her appearance, her height, things, and how she's carrying herself. She's not one of the Summer Eladrin. Hold on. I need to mark you down for entering the city. Uh, names, please. Hi, I'm Wintera. As you introduce yourself, she looks over to you and then does a double take. Holly? Holly, is that you? No, my name is Wintera. That's my mom. Your mom? <laughs> it's been a lot longer than I realized. And she unveils her hood. And you all are basically looking at Wintera. I didn't realize I'd been gone for so long that she'd already grown up and had a family of her own. My name is Otolo. Otolo Dark Knight. And I believe I am your grandmother. So what specifically brings you all here? We're here because one of our friends has something called brood poisoning. So you're hoping to gain an audience with Lady Titania then? Luck is truly on your side today. Since I am the advisor to Lady Titania, I can secure you an audience almost immediately. She brings you guys inside and... It's this grand open cathedral-like area, and at the far end is a large regal throne with a small child sitting in the throne. Otolo drops down to one knee and says, My lady, I have brought guests. They have come to ask a favor of you, if you would be so kind as to grant them an audience. Your eminence, we seek aid for a friend of ours that is afflicted with brood poisoning. Well, what do I get in exchange? If you agree to form an alliance with the Feywild and all of its courts, then you may have this potion. Yeah, when Tara shakes her hand. And she snaps her fingers, and you guys immediately fall through the ground and splash out of the lake that you originally jumped into to get to the Feywild, and you are back in the Material Plane. And you see this young half-elf boy just kind of standing there. So, so, Missy Eldrin told me to bring you your friend. Um, so he's like right over there. Arlo administers the, the, the cure to him. You guys actually see Holly comes like, oh, you guys are finally back. It's been about two days. And then Raylan turns you guys like, we need to go now. You guys make it to town at breakneck speeds. You see, clad in robes that Arlo is all too familiar with seeing, martial battle armaments being worn by a green-scaled dragonborn. And as Ryan turns around, she says, Well, fortunately, that wraps everything up here. If you guys wouldn't mind restraining Sasava properly this time, we can go ahead and get everything taken care of back at base. There may be one other person to recover. Sasava has a twin sister. You guys see what look like grayish vines begin to appear around her head. And in an instant, Thorns appear and they tighten around her head, sinking into her skull as she cries out in pain. Bravo! Bravo! You guys turn to the sound of this mysterious voice and see what looks like Sasava again. But you realize that this is actually his sister. And you see from the debris behind her, three figures emerge. Three figures that you all recognize. One is a human, clad in golden armor, wielding a shield. 
Next to him, a lizard folk, also carrying a shield with a large spear. And in the center of them, a red-skinned tiefling, with no visible horns, holding out a hand engulfed in a magical glow. Who, just to be clear, is Team Divine Shield. And then from underneath the sister, a giant snake emerges from the ground with her resting on its head. As you lunge your dagger in, you flip over and slide down the back of the snake. Aphasis looks over at you and says, If you think that little prick is going to change anything, then you are deeply mistaken. I'm just gonna look up, like, behind me, like, towards her, and hold up my free hand with the dagger of Marshalk. At this point, she sends the snake after you guys, like, down to try and basically kill Winterra and second chance. And as that happens, Harvin bashes this thing with his own shield and bounces the snake off. Avasis tries to use this opportunity to get away, but a puff of wind blows past all of you as you see Ryan grab Avasis' head and slam it into the ground. By the power vested in me by the organization known as Dand, you are under arrest! I walk up to, to Ryan and I go, uh, Miss Ryan. I came across someone who I think could be uh, an excellent asset to our organization, and with your permission, I'd like to try to recruit them. A man by the name of Nelg. Having to fight your own boss. Normally, this is something that we consider to be highly troublesome within an organization. However, given the context that it happened under, I suppose it was inevitable. Would you not agree, Mr. Arlo Aegon? Uh, it's, uh, it's doctor, actually. Uh, you know, medical school was very tough. Don't want to just knock it down to a mister. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, not, it wasn't the most ideal situation, but also quite unavoidable. Besides, uh, you know, I'm no stranger to a challenge, and it's not like it's the first time I almost died. Mm, yes, in that particular mission, you almost died several times. Quite troubling. What? No, that was just that one time, and then the other time, eh. I only almost die sometimes, and that's normal. Shut up. It is okay. We do not worry too, too much on the record of failure so much as the rate of improvement, Mr. Dr. Arlo Aegon. That's not... Uh, you're real close, Ted. Just, just doctor. It's, like, just Ted, like just Dr. Aegon will be fine. Hmm. You humanoid species and your insistence on your R-based titles are quite curious. We shall conduct further research into this particular field. However, for now, let us proceed to the next assignment that you had, which saw you heading back to your home, despite... Despite the fact that you, yourself, were under certain duress in your own homeland. I have no idea what you're referring to. Oh, forgive me, I was referring to the fact that your mother, Komodra Aegon, had forbade you from entering any sort of military activity after the untimely death of your father, Jacob Long. You, you guys don't do sarcasm, do you? No. Might want to put that one on the, uh, the old to-do list. I will be sure to add it to my extensive documentation. But getting back to the topic at hand, 
Why don't you tell me what it was like returning home under the guise of Salazar Amander? Well... As the flash of light dissipates, you find yourselves in a sprawling kingdom. You are greeted by a brass dragonborn. Ah, okay, y'all must be the, uh... Secondary recruit from the, uh, that their, uh, damn place. Am I right? Arlo, you recognize this person. He was actually one of your closer compatriots and, dare I even say, one of your closer friends. Name's Caladan. I guess you can call me Cal. I'm here to guide y'all over to Ruins, folks, so, uh, what do you say we head on in the carriage and, uh, get on him? The house is full, right? Is it full of people that look like they're from the area? It is packed with demons and a couple dragonborn. Okay, do we pick up any conversation that's going on, like, that might help us with what we're about to go do? You happen to catch eyes on one particular fire demon, and you're just kind of honed in on them? Since you guys specifically came here to rescue the fun pals, you hear them talking about it, and you also overhear that they had gone to a place called the Untheran Ruins. And you also hear them say that they had overheard a rumor that the ruins had been overtaken by gnolls. So you guys make it over to the ruins. There's a singular entrance to the ruins. Most of it is underground, so it's essentially just like an, a stairway into the ruins. As you reach the bottom of the stairwell, you come across a large door. And what you see inside is several gnolls, all facing one main knoll who sits upon a throne made of bones. And circling his head, you see 12 stones, roughly the size of a marble each orbiting his head like the planets to the sun. And you hear the gnolls chanting, You do notice that there is a cave that seems to lead further into the caverns. And you eventually come across a set of holding cells. And you do see three small figures. Okay, so we we go over to the the three then once you open the door. They start to turn a little bit as they slowly regain consciousness. You see a knoll activating a scroll that you can just barely make out to read Gravity Fisher. A rift in the ground opens up beneath you, forming a canyon underneath you all. And the effects of gravity immediately intensify to a point where you are all immediately falling at terminal velocity. In a quick-ditch effort, Wintera, you grab your completely not trademarked, totally original concept pocket monster sphere and throw it downward. The dinosaur whose name I can never remember because it's some like Quetzalcoatl or some shit. Quetzalcoatlus. You summon this thing beneath you, and its wings catch up as if it's trying to fly, but as mentioned, it's not able to get any upward pick, but you all land on it, and in a sudden smack, you all hit the ground. As you guys are looking around, getting your bearings, underneath some debris, you see what almost looks like the base of a statue? Um, I look at the inscription at the base of the statue. The name on it is Vincent the Divine. You all work together to move the debris out of the way. And when the last little bit of rubble is cleared, more than anything, it's the face. You would recognize this one anywhere. The statue is of the human form of Ash. You eventually make it back to the main gathering hall area where you had first seen Emor along with all of his lackeys. And it's completely empty. You hear from above, SNICK ATTACK! 
and you look up and see a little knoll, but he misses you by a lot and just slams into the ground. Where are the rest of you? Not, not, not here. This is the same little fucker that used the scroll on you guys. It, it, Bossy Mart was um, t- talking with, uh, with, with person and man, man gave new shiny, but made, made boss angry and leave. How about uh, first you, uh, you tell me your name? Sniffs. You guys head outside. It almost looks like they were somehow smart enough to cover their tracks. So guys, I I do know someone who uh, would have enough pull and resources to do a more thorough tracking and investigation job. My aunt Snaptra. You guys do eventually make your way over to the barracks. Her door is presently closed. This is the office of one Snaptra Aegon. What exactly is it that has brought you over to me, Arlie? We're trying to find some gnolls. It took a bunch of magic stones. It looks like they covered their tracks pretty well. Alright, so I have a couple ideas on how we might be able to find your uh, lost mutts. Both of which involve your slobbery little friend over there. And she points over to Sniffs. The first, she was over by the church. She could probably, like, probe our little friend's mind here. I also happen to have someone else that might be able to, um, fill his empty little head and make him a little bit more useful than just a vague hint. Hmm, then I, I guess we'll have to take the time to get things done properly. You eventually come across a gate, and at this gate, you see a hooded figure. You all watch as Snapdrag goes over to talk to this hooded figure, and all three of you are able to see under the hood. Under the hood is Seven. I yell out, Seven, what the fuck? I'm sorry, I believe you seem to have me confused with someone else. Though, I am quite curious. How is it that you fine folks know my brother? I am four. You guys make your way back over towards the barracks. He's over there. And she points over to, like, a table in her office that has been retrofitted into a bed where you see Sniffs sleeping. He's right there, so I guess just take him to a hotel or a bed or something. You guys make your way back over to Ruinspoke and over to the hotel where you guys were staying at. I have been eating, like, breakfast jerky. And when Tara, she just, like, goes over and puts the jerky near his nose. The second it touches his nose, his eyes shoot up, and his, like, you have to almost, like, jerk your hand back in order to not have it bitten as he just, Ow! I remember things! There's, there, there's, there's places we've been before we were at the, 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 the big cave. Uh, it was, it, it was the... The Boneyard! And with that, you all head off into the desert. You see that there are several unarmed gnolls, but there are also some who do appear to be more well-armed. But you do, of course, see Emor still bearing his crown of stones as they hover around his head. However, you see something else as well. Embedded in his chest is a black crystal, and it is in there deep. And he seems different. The first time that you saw him, he was very arrogant. He was really just eating up the crowd as they chanted his name. He was boasting about his own greatness. But now, he looks ravenous, angry, bloodthirsty. Uh, I look to the, I look to my group and I'm like, so what you guys think? You think we can take them or what do you want to do? I can say with confidence that I don't want to die. Emor holds up a hand, sniffs the air, and shouts, Intruders! All three of the fun pals and they're just going to attempt to take off a stone. Frightening gets one. And when he does, this green energy seems to flow out of Emor and back into the stone. And as it does, the other stones 
fall. Emort immediately shrinks back down to the size of a regular knoll. The gem inside of Emort's chest begins to emit a dark miasma. It overtakes his entire body slowly but surely until eventually there is an eruption of black energy and Emor's body rises up. The gem begins to crack until it shatters. And then Emor grows once again. But not into the form you recognized from before. Now he grows horns through his mane. His eyes turn bright crimson red. His snout elongates with more teeth than he had before. Muscles built on top of muscles, making what he was before almost look small by comparison. As he rises up and lets out a bellowing howl, sniffs, looks horrified. Amor? What? What happened? That's not Amor! Do what you have to do! 63 damage, please, from my, my angry little chompy friends. Ree! They are also the last thing that Emor hears. We have the stones, so now we are free to go... Oh, wait, no, hold on. We cannot go back quite yet. Well, what else do we have to do? Uh, you, you remember my cover story, yes? About how we had a fugitive that we needed to bring in? Yeah. You don't think that they might find it slightly suspicious that we just go back with these random walks that were not the fugitives that we said we had to get? So now we just need a new fugitive. We do have Sniffs! How we just take Sniffs with us and pretend like he's a fugitive? You guys make your way back over to the capital city of Tyrad Thymar. And in a flash, you are all brought back to base. It seems as if returning to your homeland and getting in touch with your compatriots on a more intimate and personal level, non-sexually of course, seem to yield many benefits for your teamwork in the field of active combat even against what should in theory be very difficult adversaries to face. Why did you specify non-sexually? It is important to make such distinctions known in order to avoid the ever-prevalent sexual harassment claims. Is that like just a thing like organization-wide, or is that like a mind flare thing where it's like the default is sexual and then it's specified whether it's sexual or not? We are not understanding of the specifics of your kind's methodologies of sexual intercourse, but we understand that certain members of your species and other species of lesser intellects find such crude commentary to be uninviting at time. So we try with Humanoid Resources Incorporated to be accommodating to such trivial requests. It would appear as though you have all made excellent progress, and I think I can say that your 90 days have been exceedingly productive. I believe I can rate your performance both individually and as a team unit as satisfactory, with room for general improvement. This is far higher than most individuals from any given organizational entity tend to receive. You should feel quite proud. 
Additionally, I believe it is you specifically, Mr. Doctor, only Doctor Arlo Aegon. You definitely understand the way to say Doctor, come on, man. I am currently probing into the Elder Brain to understand the concept which you referred to earlier as sarcasm. Alright, that was, that, was that was a solid one. Words have no solid mass, however, I think you yourself would be quite pleased to know that now that you have reached the end of your 90 days, your benefits package has fully kicked in and you can finally take care of those molars that were bothering you all the way back when you first started. Hell yeah, dental hygiene! Congratulations.